Hey everyone, welcome back to Explain Like I'm 5 or ELI 5, the weekly podcast where we take the questions you always wanted to ask and talk about them in a way that's easy to understand. We are your hosts, I'm Tim. I'm Kevin. Today we're talking about bicycles. Cool. Me and my girlfriend love going on bike, bike rides together, so I do know a thing or two. You might have noticed that there's a difference between the frame of your bike and hers then. Um, why do typical female bikes have a different frame with a dip in it, while men's bikes have a horizontal beam? Oh yeah, the horizontal beam, also also called a nut crusher. <laughs> the uh, nut crusher. Yeah, it's, it's actually designed that way to make it stronger. Hmm. Sounds like someone has some personal experience here. <laughs> yeah. So um, remember when they told you that triangles are strong? Yep. Uh, so and if you ever so if you look at a quote unquote men's bike frame, you see that's actually made of two large triangles, uh, and that means it could take on a bigger weight, it could survive bigger falls, and it can actually be even made lighter. Uh, by having kind of thinner wall of tubes uh, for the same amount of strength. But the quote-unquote women's style of frame was created to make it easier to wear a skirt while riding, presumably? Initially, yes. Uh, but actually, the thing is, with advances in material science, uh, the strength has become less of an issue. Um, and, but the social stigma of calling it a girl's bike uh, still keeps most men from riding one. Uh, this is different in Japan and China, however. The lower-barred girl-style frame is much more popular. Uh, presumably because they don't have the same type of stigma and it's just generally more convenient. Uh, nice. So except for in the highest end cycles uh, and highest end bikes, like the uh-huh. advanced materials have made the nut crusher uh, pretty much irrelevant. Yes, yes. The, the, a lower bar is easier for basically 99% of cycling use cases. Hmm. So in a lot of places, these frames are actually called shopping bikes rather than women's bikes. And I actually think the term is best fit uh, to call it is a step-through frame. Okay, let's call it a step-through frame then. That's easy enough. And okay. in a similar vein, we should probably stop saying the nut crusher and call it, what would you call it, the diamond frame? Yeah, yeah. If you go to Amsterdam, uh, it's another popular biking city, right? Uh, if you go there, you'll see that most bikes have a step-through frame. Okay. How about if you're a competitive cyclist, then what would you say then? So, so here's what a competitor, competitive cyclist would say. Um, the horizontal top tube of the diamond frame actually does... Uh, make the frame stronger, yes, but also more rigid. So every time you move a pedal up and down, right, uh, particularly if you're like pulling on the handlebars really hard, mm-hmm. like during a sprint or a climb, you're basically kind of twisting the bike frame. You know, your foot is pushing down on one side of the bike while your hand is pulling up on the same side of the frame. Uh, this creates additional leverage against the pedal. So if the frame flexes too much, it is absorbing that energy and then releasing it by springing, springing back later in the stroke. And unfortunately, every bit of energy that is being absorbed by the frame is energy that's actually not going to the back wheel. And a few percent difference in transmission here can add up, can really add up over 100 miles. Is that why racing bikes also look slightly different in shape? Yeah, yeah. Racing bikes also have a more um, vertical geometry than casual touring bikes. Um, you know, that makes them less comfortable to ride, but, also, but, but more rigid and have a shorter distance to the back, to the back wheel. Uh, so a shorter chain and thus less energy lost between the pedal and the wheel. Um, you know, no one would ever race on a step-through frame because it would flex and twist like crazy. Mm. And after a few races, it might as well just get torn apart because you're putting so much stress on it. But, if, you know, again, for riding around town, a step-through frame can be much more comfortable and convenient. Uh, it isn't unusual to see step-through frames on both men and women's bikes whose design is intended solely for leisure, right? 
So there's a case that not all bikes should be step-through bikes. I guess the racing one. Are there any other advantages? Yeah, there, there is one more advantage of the diamond frame, which is uh, there are more spots to mount accessories, for example, like your water bottle, your air pump. Okay, okay. So the diamond frame's advantages are strength, uh, rigidity, mm -hmm. um, weight perhaps related to strength, and accessories. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's recap the advantages of a, a step-through frame then. Sure. Uh, now that, you know, I guess, I, like I said, uh, materials are strong enough, uh, it really is the superior design because you got less risk of stretching or ripping clothes when you're mounting. Uh, it's very quick to get on and get off. It's very suitable for delivery uh, or a journey with many stops. Yep. It's, it's actually quite suitable for elderly, others with restricted ability, uh, agility. Um, it's potentially even safer than a high crossbar. Um, a rider who loses balance, for example, can step through the bicycle without being all entangled with it, right? And generally, it's actually it's, it has a general compactness that provides a, a popular starting point uh, for folding bicycles. Ah, oh, I didn't even think about the folding bicycles. Um, now, what's the difference between a mountain bike and a road bike? Yeah, yeah. A, a mountain bike typically has a much higher center of gravity, uh, which makes it kind of unstable at high speeds. Uh, it also has a lower top speed, which means you have to work harder to maintain uh, main road speeds of like 50 plus miles per hour, right? Uh, add to that the off-road tires, which don't have as much traction on smooth tarmac, uh, and often even causes excess vibration, further reducing the stability at high speed. Uh, the suspension of the mountain bike uh, actually sort of absorbs some of the energy that's used to push the bike forward. So again, when you're on a flat road, some of the work that you do to pedal actually goes right into compressing the springs. So I just started listening to this new podcast about gravel cycling. Oh yeah? What's it called? It's called The Gravel Ride. The Gravel Ride, okay. Uh, well, for the per past couple of years, it's been one of the hottest and fastest growing categories of bikes. You know, these gravel bikes or gravel grinders, uh, they're kind of these like all-road or adventure bikes. And the idea is essentially road bikes meant for riding dirt roads rather than pavement. It's one of these cool categories with lots of cutting edge tech and expensive equipment, right? Yeah, yeah. And I see here that they have a Gravel Bike 101 episode. So I'm going to go check that out. Yeah, go search for The Gravel Ride by Craig Dalton. Um, and you can report back on what you learn. Will do. Did you learn something new today? If you did, send us a tweet at ELI5ThePodcast. Just tweet us a thumbs up or send us requests for future episodes. As always, a big thank you to the subreddit Explain Like I'm Fine. See you all next week.